Online. I'm Christine, your online host for today. Whether you're new or you've been here before, we warmly welcome you and we're so excited that you're joining us today. If this is your first time tuning in, I encourage you to text new to 604-255-770 or visit mythrive.info to connect with us and receive your very own Thrive stainless steel water bottle. One of the things I'm so excited to tell you about is our children online activities for children ages 3 to 12. Parents, head on over to mythrive.info and click Thrive Kids Online to get them set up with our online activities and Zoom classes from 10.45 to 11.15 a.m. We have brand new content for the kids every week and it's a great way to give your children an exciting, incredible and engaging experience while learning about the gospel in a fun and interactive way while we dive into the big question of how to keep hope alive through our current message series called Waiting for Sunrise. Before I jump too ahead of myself, let's start off by engaging with one another. So I've got a question for you. If you could only eat one type of fruit, what would it be? Turn the person next to you or type your answer in the chat room right now. I would pick watermelon because it's such a sweet and delicious fruit as it's one of my all-time favorites. Now, once again, tell the person next to you or type your answer in the chat room. tuning in and tag us at hashtag Thrive Church Online so we can see all of your lovely faces. All right, everyone, today we have the privilege of having Pastor JB here to share with us God's Word. We have no time to waste, so let's go straight into our message. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Thrive Church Online. My name is JB. I'm one of the pastors here at Thrive, and I'm so excited to welcome you to an amazing Sunday here at Thrive Church Online. If this is your first time here, you're what we call our VIP, and we especially want to welcome you. In fact, if you want to go to mythrive.info and touch the button that says New to Thrive, we have a very special stainless steel Thrive Church water bottle waiting just for you that we would love to mail straight to your door. Just a simple way to say thank you so much for joining us today. Can we give all of our VIPs a big hand, a big shout? Let's play together right now. It's so good to have you here. In fact, we have a saying here at Thrive, which is that welcoming is not just what we do, it's who we are. And so with that in mind, would you welcome one of the church today in your chat rooms with the neighbor sitting beside you? Give them a high five, a handshake, a warm hug, whatever's appropriate, and just say it is so good to have you here. It is so good to have you here. You guys are a beautiful church inside and out, and it is so good to have you all here. Before we get into the message today, I just want to give a shout out to all the grads here, all the students who are graduating from their schools this month. Can we give all the graduating students a big hand here in this place today? All of our graduates. 
whether it's from high school or it's from college or from your master's degree or it's in elementary school or even your kindergarten. A big congratulations to all of our graduates. You guys are amazing. And we just want to say we are so incredibly proud of each and every one of you for the way that you have been resilient through an unprecedented time. I believe that because of this pandemic, in many ways, you guys are more prepared for real life than any of us were when we graduated. And it's because uh, a lot of stuff happened that we didn't expect. And you guys have stayed flexible. You've been resilient. You've persevered through it. You've gotten to the finish line. And we here at Thrive Church could not be prouder of you. And so a huge congratulations to all of our graduating students today. In fact, I'm going to ask the media team to show a little special effect for all the graduating students. Just This is just for you. Praise God. Praise God for online church. There you go. Congrats to all the grads. Another thing is this, is this coming July the 14th, we're starting something brand new at Thrive Discipleship School. It's called TDS Level 3, Embracing Your God-Given Shape. And this is something we created here at Thrive, Thrive Discipleship School, to help people grow in their relationship with God. And if you've taken levels 1 and 2 already, this is the next level course you've been waiting for. It's TDS level three. We encourage you to sign up. Go to mythrive.info to sign up. It starts on July the 14th. If you want to embrace and discover the God-given shape that you have to serve God and to live for him, then make sure you sign up for what I believe is going to be such a powerful course that you do not want to miss. Turn your neighbor and say, I can't wait for TDS3. I can't wait for TDS3. And if you've never taken TDS before, this is for you. It's for you to help you to grow in your relationship with God. You can sign up at mythrive.info for levels one, two, three. We'd love to see you there. Did you guys bring your Bibles today? Well, it's time to get that out. Here's my Bible. Maybe you brought a Bible as well. If you did, why don't you hold up your like so? And this is just a fun way for us to get our hearts ready for the message today. Would you say this with me together right now? We're to say, this is my Bible. It is God's word. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I open up my heart so that God's word can come in and change my life. And I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Hey, if you are new to church, new to the Bible, new to Jesus, coming in from another faith background or no background at all, we are so thrilled that you're here. And we hope that you find that Thrive Church is a safe place for you, a place where you can be yourself, a place where you can find some hope and some encouragement, some community, a place where maybe you can find some answers to the questions that you're asking. And if we can serve you in any kind of way, you can always email us at info at thrivechurch.ca. We would love to hear from you. So good to have you here today. Now, today we're ending a very special message series we've been doing here at Thrive. But before we get into that, let me tell you something that's happening next week. Next week, we're starting a brand new summer series that we're so excited about. And in the summer series, we're checking out something that I think you're going to be really interested in and really benefit from. We call this new series starting next week, Rise Up and Wise Up. Rise Up and Wise Up. This coming summer, it's time to rise up and wise up. And in this series, we're looking at the book of Proverbs. And if you could use some help making some wise decisions, if you could use some extra wisdom in your life, practical wisdom about how to you know, handle relationships, how to make good decisions. If you've ever wondered why some people make certain mistakes and you're like, you know, I want to avoid those mistakes. If you've ever wondered why the book of Proverbs sometimes sounds like you know, a bunch of fortune cookie messages, then this message series is for you. It's called Rise Up and Wise Up. We are going to start this next week, July the fourth. You don't want to miss it. Turn your neighbor and say, get ready to wise up or to get ready to rise up and wise up. 
Get ready to rise up and wise up. You know, as we begin today's message and we finish off a very special series we've been doing here at Thrive today, you know, from time to time, my son Bradley and I will do, you know, a bunch of different fun things. And one of the things that he likes to do with me is that from time to time, he likes to give me a riddle to solve. And I thought I would share this one riddle with all of you and see if you can get the answer to this one. And so I want to show it on the screen for you. See if you can solve this riddle. Here we go. It's I'm at the beginning of the end. I'm at the end of time and space. I surround every place. I'm at the beginning of the end. I'm at the end of time and space. I surround every place. Who or what are we talking about? Now, maybe in the chat room right now, you can you know, type in your answer. What do you think the answer to this riddle is? What do you think the answer is? For some of you really spiritual ones, you're like, oh, that, that he's talking about God. God is always the answer. Well, you, you might be right to some extent, but that's not the answer we're looking for. The answer we're looking for is the letter E. That's right. Look at, the, look at it with me right now. I'll show you the answer. I'm at the beginning of the end. I'm at the end of time and space. I surround every place. Look at the front and at the back. It's the letter E. And I, I thought that riddle was really clever. It's one that my son shared with me. Why do I share this riddle with all of you today? It's because over the past 12 weeks, we've been trying to solve a riddle called the book of Isaiah. And see, the book of Isaiah is, for many people, one of the hardest books in the Bible to understand. It's also one of the longest books in the Bible to read. Read. And, 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 and so in many ways, what we've done is taken on one of the most ambitious series we've ever done here at the Bible Church by trying to go verse by verse, chapter by chapter through the book of Isaiah over 12 weeks. And hopefully at the end of the series, you now have a better idea of what the book of Isaiah is about. And you can start to piece together this puzzle that is the book of Isaiah. And, and here's the thing, is that if you uncover the meaning of Isaiah, what you're gonna actually find is that Isaiah is not just a long book, or a book that's hard to understand, but it's actually a beautiful book. And it's actually a powerful book. And it's actually one of the most important books in all the Bible that speaks so importantly to some of the most important things we need to know about God, his plans for us, and how to keep our hope alive in a time of waiting. And see, the biggest message in the book of Isaiah is that God is holy, holy, holy. God cannot stand sin. And you're like, what's sin? Sin is our attitude toward God where we say, I want to do things my way, not God's way. God, to hell with what you think, to hell with what you say. I'm going to do things my way. That is called sin. The things we do say and think that are different and separate and opposed to what God wants us to do, say and think. That is called sin. And the Bible says sin separates us from God. The Bible says that all of us are sinners, that we've all been captive to sin. And because of sin, we can't have anything to do with God. But as much as God is holy, 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 God is also merciful and compassionate, such that when we were held captive by our sin, when our sins separate us from God, God didn't just leave us to be, but he said, I'm going to send a servant. I'm going to send a Messiah. He's going to set you free from your captivity to sin. And he would do so by dying for us so that by his wounds, we 
are healed. At the end of the day, that is the biggest message of Isaiah. And if you know anything about the Bible, then you'll know that this servant, this Messiah that God is talking about, his name is Jesus. That the book of Isaiah at the end of the day is about Jesus and the hope we can have because of him. Now, after 12 weeks in this series called Waiting for Sunrise, looking at the book of Isaiah every day and every Sunday, we've now reached the final episode of the series and the final part of Isaiah. Isaiah 56 to 66 is the last part of Isaiah. And just to give you a feel for what the last part of Isaiah sounds and looks like, let's look at at Isaiah chapter 66, the last chapter of Isaiah, and look at verses 1 to 4. Read it with me in a big, loud voice right now. It says, this is what the Lord says. Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house you will build for me? Where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all these things? And so they came into being, declares the Lord. This is the one I esteem. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. But whoever sacrifices a bull is like one who kills a man. And whoever offers a lamb, like one who breaks a dog's neck. Whoever makes a grain offering is like one who presents pig's blood. And whoever burns memorial incense like one who worships an idol. They have chosen their own ways and their souls delight in their abominations. So I also will choose harsh treatment for them and will bring upon them what they dread. For when I called, no one answered. When I spoke, no one listened. They did evil in my sight and chose what displeases me. Now we're going to unpack what this all means in just a bit. But see, today we're looking at the final section of the book of Isaiah, chapters 56 to 66 of Isaiah. It's the ending portion of Isaiah. Now, speaking of endings, let me ask this question. Have you ever watched a movie where you thought the ending of the movie was really strange? Or the ending was really weird? Like, you might have really enjoyed the movie, and then all of a sudden the ending comes out, like, what?! Well, that's the ending? The end this way? I remember, you know, a few years ago, we just moved into a new place. Pastor Charlene, my wife, uh, and I, we invited a good friend of ours to come over. Uh, in fact, I think she was the first guest we ever had in our house. And we sat down on our couch and we watched this movie called 10 Cloverfield Lane. And man, was the ending weird. Like, I thought it was a good movie, but man, the ending just totally took me off guard. I was, I was not expecting that. They're going to end it that way. And then, you know, just last Sunday on Father's Day, Charlene and I were having, Pastor Char and I, we were having our, a little Father's Day date, you know, kind of romantic, you know, and, and, and we watched a movie at home called Minari. Beautiful, beautiful movie. But the ending really took me off guard. I was like, you're going to end it that way? That's the ending? And I don't want to spoil anything for you, but I just thought the ending was really weird. Why do I mention that? It's because for centuries, scholars who've been studying the book of Isaiah have wondered, wrestled, and debated with why the book of Isaiah ends the way that it ends. Is that, you know, two weeks ago, one of our preaching students called Raul, he gave a message on Isaiah chapter 55. And after Isaiah chapter 55, it's a celebration of what God has done for his people, how they were held captive to sin, but because of the servant who dies for them and sets them free, they are free. They are set free from captivity. They are no longer separated from God. There is now joy. It's a party. It's a celebration. And not only is it a celebration, it's an invitation. It's an invitation for all of us to receive and experience the forgiveness the freedom, the life that God makes possible. If you believe that, say amen. And so that's why Isaiah 55 says something like, come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. You who have no money, come, buy and eat. It's a celebration. It's an invitation. And see, one of the big riddles that scholars have always wondered about is, why why doesn't the book of Isaiah just end right there? 
Isn't that the perfect time to end the book? It's, it's a nice, happy ending. It's a celebration. It's an invitation. Why not just end there? Why instead does Isaiah go on for 10 more chapters talking about some other kind of strange things like eunuchs and foreigners and fasting and repentance and a new heaven and a new earth and a new Jerusalem? It talks about all these other things. And it's almost like it's going up and it's kind of, kind of going down. Like, why do that? Why end it that way? Why even like repeat some of the old themes like, oh, you were once in captivity, but God's going to rescue you. Why does he do that? So you got to keep in mind a couple things. One is this, is that Isaiah, when he wrote Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, he didn't write it like a sequential story, chapter one, chapter two, chapter three. It's not like that. It's more collection of different teachings, different prayers, different prophecies, some history. And it's almost like an album of different songs. But here's the thing, is that there's still, there still must be some order to it. And some people look at the order of Isaiah and go, man, that's a strange way to end Isaiah. And, and here's a, let me, let me explain to you why it ends this way. It's because Isaiah 56, 66 is about what happens after you're rescued. Isaiah 56 to 66 is what happens after the captivity, after you've been set free, after you've been delivered. See, if all God wanted for your life was to save you for heaven, to just you know, save you from your captivity to sin, bring you to heaven right away, then why is it that the moment you receive Jesus into your life or the moment that you get baptized, that God doesn't just take you to heaven right away? It's because God has more for your life on earth than that. He's that God wants to not just have you be born again. He wants you to grow up. He wants you to mature. He's interested not just in saving us. He's interested in growing us. He's interested not in just setting us free. He's also interested in maturing us. He's interested not just in blessing us. He's interested in making us a blessing to others. That's what Isaiah 56 to 66 is about. Is that Isaiah 56 to 66 is about what happens after you're rescued. It's the sanctification after the salvation. It's the growing up after the being born. It's the learning to walk after being chained down for so long. And you could even say that, you know, Isaiah, the book of Isaiah can have three parts to it. Isaiah 1 to 39, chapters 1 to 39 are about life and God's messages to people before they were captives, before they were exiles. Isaiah 40 to 55 is messages from God to people while they're captives, while they're exiles. And then Isaiah 56 to 66 is God's messages to people after they've been set free from their captivity. And so that's what Isaiah 56 to 66 is really all about. It's answering the question, now what? It's answering the question, okay, we're saved, we're rescued, we're delivered, we're not captives anymore, we're free, now what do we do with this new life that we have? And this is applicable not just to people back then, it's so applicable to us today. See, as we close this series called Waiting for Sunrise, let me give you the title to today's message. And what I'm going to do is I want to show it to you, I actually want to act out the title for you all. Are you ready? I don't normally act out the title of a message for you, but I'm going to do that right now with the help of my assistants right now. I'm just going to sit right here. And uh, I'm going to ask them to put something on top of me right now. Here we go. All right. One big box. Okay. Wow. All right. Interesting. All right. It's really dark in here. It's kind of hot in here. It's really cramped in here. I don't know if I want to stay much longer in here. All right. Uh, 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 uh. Can I come out now? Can I come out now? I said, can I come out now? That's the title of today's message. Can I come out now? Would you turn to your neighbor and say, can I come out now?
Can I come out now? See, why is the message titled today, Can I Come Out Now? It's because if there are four words to describe broadly, summarize the final 10 chapters of Isaiah, those four words are, don't box God in. Don't box God in. See, it's a message we need to hear today as well. It's because one of the worst things that we can do, whether you're here, you're new to church, you're new to Christianity, you're just exploring, you're curious, or you've just recently received Jesus, you recently got baptized, or for years you've been walking with Jesus, have a relationship with Jesus, is that where you find yourself today, one of the worst things that we can do is to box God in. And see, you, let me put it to you this way. You can write this down. You can never win when you box God in. You can never win when you box God in. Because whenever you try to box God in, you can miss God entirely. Whenever you try to box God in, we end up living these small lives with small vision and small faith. Whenever we box God in or try to, we can't be a blessing to people the way that God made us to be a blessing. When you try to box God in, you limit what God can do in and through your life. When you turn your say, but don't, don't box God in. Don't box God in. See, what does it mean to box God in? How do you know if you're boxing God in? And if you are boxing God in today, what can you do about it? We're going to talk about that together today. See, by now, all of us, after 16 months of this pandemic, all of us are at least somewhat familiar with this idea of quarantine, aren't we? See, for the past many, many months, the policy here in Canada is that if you're coming in from another country and you want to come into Canada, you need to quarantine. You need to isolate yourself. And what it is, is it's right, right now, or at least it was 14 days of quarantine. You spent three days in a government-approved hotel, and you spent the next 11 days in, at home. You can't go out, can't, can't go out and see anybody. You don't want to infect anyone just in case. And in fact, I've got a friend in our small group He's been traveling back and forth between Vancouver and Asia so he can be with his family. And guess what? He spent a total of almost two months in quarantine this past year. He spent all, like about almost 60 days just by himself, quarantined, isolating, just waiting until he can get out. Can I come out now? Can I get out now? And see, sometimes, what I mention is that sometimes we do that with God. Is that we say, God, you want to come into my life? Uh, okay, but you need to stay right here. You can't go anywhere else. You need to stay in this area of my life. You can't, don't start talk, talking to me about how to, how to use my money. Don't talk to me about how to use my body. Don't talk about how to use my time. You just stay here in this room called, I trust you for going to heaven. And, and we just kind of keep him in that box. And we say, you know what? Other things, that's my stuff. That's mine. And that's boxing God in. And our quarantine of God often doesn't just last 14 days. Sometimes it can last a lifetime. And see, the problem of quarantining God, the problem of boxing God in, that's the problem of compartmentalizing your faith. And this is the problem that God and Isaiah are dealing with in Isaiah 56 to 66. And that leads me to this question I'm going to ask you today. Are you boxing God in? Are you boxing God in? See, let me show you five ways that we can box God in. We're going to start with kind of the basics and go a little deeper and deeper and see which one is you. Number one, we box God in when we confine God to a building. 
We box God in when we confine God to a building. Look at Isaiah 66, one and two together. It says this, it says, this is what the Lord says. Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house you will build for me? Where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all these things? And so they came into being, declares the Lord. See, notice what Isaiah is doing. This is the last chapter of Isaiah. And Isaiah in the ending chapter is going back to the very beginning. Let's go back to the very beginning. The reasonable place to start. You know, very good place to start. That sound of music is that Isaiah, he's going back to the very beginning. Why? It's, you know, we often talk about, you know, you want to begin with the end in mind. Whenever you start anything, you want to begin with the end in mind. But Isaiah is doing the opposite. He's actually ending with the beginning in mind. Why? It's because he's reminding the people reading what he's writing. He's reminding them of who was there at the very beginning. He is God. He is the Lord. He is the creator. He's the one who made it all. He's the reason why this world is even in existence right now. And if you have any questions about that, doubts about that, not really sure about that, did God really make all this? Then I encourage you to check out a series we did last year called Overcome My Unbelief. Check out an episode called Is There There Really a God? We look at it from scientific perspectives, philosophical perspectives, biblical perspectives on clues that point us to the existence of God. But the fact is God made it all. And see, because God made it all, God cannot be contained in some man-made structure. He's way too big. And so you can't try to box God into a building. He just won't fit. And see, God, you know, it really blew us away on that one this past 16 months, didn't he? This idea that God can't be confined to a building because over the past 16 months, we've had to do church, managed to do church without a building. And, and you know, sometimes people ask me, oh, so, so JB, like, what, when's the church reopening? And I know what they mean, but I'd say, you know, the church is actually, it's never closed. It's actually always been open. The church building has been closed, but the church has always been open because the church isn't just a building. The church far more is the people. Amen. As he praised God that in the past 16 months, even without a building, we've seen more people come to Jesus and make decisions to receive Jesus as Savior this past 16 months than any other period or any other year in the history of of Thrive Church. You know, we've seen, well, we've discipled more people this past year than any other year. We've reached out and given to more causes than any year prior. You know, we've given, you know, to the Kuus Crisis Hotline, you know, society, you know, to help indigenous peoples. We've given to Lebanon when there was a gas explosion. You know, we, 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 we've given to stuff like Backpack Buddies, provide food for, for kids who are living in poverty. We've given to India and orphans. We've given to, you know, like uh, all these, like Kenya, given them Bibles. We've given to Union Gospel, but we've given to so many and in fact, you guys, church, have been more generous this year in your giving than any other year. And so for all those things, I say it's time to give God a big hand, a big clap right now. Amen. It's because the church, that God, you can't confine it to a building. God is not just the building. He's so much more than that. And the church isn't just a building. It's so much more than that. It's the people of God. Turn your and say, we are the church. We are the church, but maybe you haven't fought that way. Maybe over the past 16 months, you've actually put your faith on the back burner and the excuse you've made is, oh, the church is not open yet. Or, you know, we don't have a building, so I'm not going to go to church. I don't want to bother. Or you haven't really given of yourself in any way because you're just like, oh, it's, it's COVID time. It's like, and so you kind of put your faith on vacation this whole time. If that's you, then guess what? You're boxing God in. And I believe God is knocking on the door of your heart saying, can I come out now? Can I come out now? Would you turn to him and say, can I come out now? 
Number two, number two, and we're going to spend most of our time on this one. We box God in when we confine God to one part of our lives and save the rest for ourselves. See, when we confine God to one part of our lives, it's oftentimes we're confining him to a time in our life. That could be, oh, you know, when I'm older, you know, when I'm retired, when I've made my fortune, when I'm not so busy, you know, when, when I'm at the end of my life and I'm on my deathbed, when I really feel like I need it, that's when I'll focus on God. But right now I'm too busy. And in the meantime, instead of focusing on anything to do with God, you're just kind of focused on other things. You're focused on your hobbies. You're focused on your golf game. You're focused on, you know, your business. You're focused on your work. You're focused on your studies. You're focused on having fun. You're focused on your family. And these are all good things. But meanwhile, your relationship with God is getting more and more distant and quite possibly your relationships with other people are suffering as a result as well. It's because you're boxing God in by confining him to one part of your life. And see, you know, it's the idea that we keep pushing God to the side and focusing on something else. But maybe for you, it's more subtle than that. For you, maybe it's that you box God into a part of your week. Is that here at church for that one hour on Sunday from 9.30 to about 10.45 or from 11.30 to 12.45, you're like locked in. You're raising your hands. You're singing your songs. You're taking your notes. You're saying amen. Pastor says, shout to God. You're like, woo, yeah, oh yeah. Swap church, woo. And you're just so into it on that one hour and 15 minutes that we're together. But then the service is over. And on Monday, you live as if God doesn't exist. On Monday to Saturday, you live as if there is no God and that you're the God of your own life. And see, that's the thing. God didn't make you to box him in that way. Can I come out now, God says? Or maybe, you know, for you, it's something where you'll say, you know, I'll go to church, but don't ask me to serve. I'll go to church, but don't get me to go to small group. I'll go to church, but, you know, baptism? Nah, not for me. I'll go to church, but, but don't, I'm not going to give. No, don't get me wrong. I, I, we're not, our expectation here at Thrive is not that on day one, you're a first-time guest, and then day two, you're now, like, uh, you know, you're a missionary going to Africa. That's not what we mean. But see, there's a process there for sure. But, if you, but my, what I mean is this. If you've been stuck in the same spiritual place for a really long time, you you keep on going to church, but you've never opened up your heart to Jesus. You've gone to church for so long, but you've never gotten baptized. You've gone to church for so long, but you're still a spectator who doesn't serve, doesn't give. Then can I ask you this? Maybe, just maybe, are you boxing God in? Could it be that the breakthrough that you need will happen when you finally let God out of the box and take a step of faith? See, maybe deep down, you know what God wants you to do right now. You know that decision you want, he wants you to make. You know that you, he wants you to you know, to, to take that step of faith, to declare your faith through baptism or to take, that, take a chance in that relationship or forgive that person or reach out to that person. But then you just keep confining him to one small part of your life and he's boxed out the rest of the time. If that's you, you're boxing God in. Turn your name and say, don't box God in. Don't box God in. Isaiah 62, 66 verse two says it this way. It says, this is the one I esteem. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. See, as big as God is, as much as he created everything, as much as we can't build a building big enough to contain God, what interests God more than anything is to live in human hearts. It's to live in the hearts of people. For God, 
people's hearts matter more than anything. And that's why he says, this is the one I esteem. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. God is interested in a relationship with us. And see, if there's anywhere God wants to live, it's not in a physical structure, it's in human hearts. And that is why your body, when you receive Jesus Christ into your life, and God says he forgives you of your sins, the Holy Spirit, God's spirit lives in you on the inside. That doesn't mean that you become a God, but it just means that you have a relationship with God. Your body becomes what the Bible says is a temple of the Holy Spirit. It says God is living in you. That's what he wants to do. And, and that is also why the church, we, the people, not the building, but the people, that we are called the temple of God. It's because more than anything, more than a physical building, God's heart is to want to live in your heart, in our hearts. And since God is interested in living in human hearts, do you know what angers God? Do you want know displeases God is when people give sacrifices without heart, when they do religion without heart, when they give offerings without heart. And, and that's when he sings songs where they serve without heart, their heart is somewhere else. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. That's what something that God is like, ah, oh, it, it causes God's hair to stand. Isaiah 66 verse three to four says it this way. It says, but whoever sacrifices a bull is like one who kills a man. And whoever offers a lamb, like one who breaks a dog's neck, whoever makes a grain offering, is like one who presents pig's blood. And whoever burns memorial incense, like one who worships an idol. See, what's going on here? See, Isaiah is comparing two sets of things. The first set of things are things that the Old Testament requires that apparently please God, like sacrificing a bull, sacrificing a lamb, offering incense. These are things that supposedly please God in the Old Testament. But then the second set of things are things that obviously don't please God, like killing a man, breaking a, God, breaking a dog's neck, worshiping an idol. And he's comparing them and saying, it's actually the same thing when your heart is far from me. See, what is he saying? God is saying this, is that God thinks that the sacrifice we give means very little when our heart is somewhere else. See, keep on reading. It says, he's, he's now describing the people, the heart of the people who are giving these sacrifices, saying they have chosen their own ways and their souls delight in their abominations. So I also will choose harsh treatment for them and will bring upon them what they dread. For when I called, no one answered. When I spoke, no one listened. They did evil in my sight and chose what displeases me. See, what is God doing? God is coming against and he's rebuking those who content themselves on a lifestyle where they offer something to God on Sunday, but then they live the rest of their lives for themselves Monday through Saturday. Is, is this lifestyle where, you know what, it's like, you know, I'll show up at church and I'll even serve, but there's no real relationship. There's no humility. There's no obedience. There's no responsiveness to God when he calls. And that's what God is saying. Oh, that's not what I want. They, it's like, can I come out now? And, and, and it's this idea that, that, that we want to not box God in that way. See, we box God in when we give God a small part of our lives, a small part of our time, a small part of our week, and a small part of what we we do and the rest is ours. That's when we box God in. And, and see, here's the thing. There's a saying that, you know, either God is Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. That's what we're talking about when we box God in. It's the second way that we box God in. Is that you today? Is that you today? I'm not here to come to, with, like, to condemn you. I'm here to let you know, okay, some, for, for a lot of us, that is us. What can we do about it? We'll talk about it in just a bit, but here's a third way. Here's a third way that we box God in. We box God in when we think, I'll do whatever I want because God will forgive me anyway. 
I'll do whatever I want. I'll, I'll, I'll cheat, I'll lie, I'll steal, I'll sleep around, I'll, 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 do, I'll murder, I'll do all those things because, hey, God will forgive me anyway. Look at Isaiah 56 verse 1. It says, this is what the Lord says. Maintain justice and do what is right. For my salvation is close at hand and my righteousness will soon be revealed. Blessed are all those who are careful to do this. Blessed are those who honor my Sabbath days of rest and keep themselves from doing wrong. See what's going on. This is Isaiah 56. Right before this, Isaiah 55. It's a celebration of what God has done. He's saying, come and buy without cost. You know, you know, come, you know, enjoy the party. Join us, join the celebration. I invite you. You, you're, you, you know, there's salvation, there's freedom, there's deliverance, there's forgiveness. You're free. There's a new life. But notice that what he doesn't, what he doesn't say in Isaiah 56, the next chapter over, he doesn't say, okay, now go and live however you want. Go and just do whatever you, 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 you want. See, his, his message is, no, his message is, verse one, maintain justice and do what is right for my salvation is close at hand. See, in other words, God wants us after we've been rescued by him to live justly, to do what is right, to act humbly, to be humble, because it's not a way to earn God's love or earn God's forgiveness or earn God's salvation or earn God's righteousness, but it's a response to the salvation, the righteousness, the love and the forgiveness that he poured out for all of us. Amen. It's not to earn it. It's to respond to it. And see, one of the big themes of Isaiah 56 to 66 is that one day God is actually going to make a distinction between those who truly trusted in him and those who just say they did. That one day he's going to make that distinction. People who did say, Lord, Lord, and even maybe served in different ways, but their hearts really weren't with him. He's going to make a distinction between them and the ones who trusted in him. He says, to one, I'm going to give eternal life. To the other, they're going to go to a place that's eternally separate from me. And so if you think that, you know, I'll do whatever I want because God will forgive me anyway, you're actually running a risk. What is the risk? The risk is that one day you'll be found to be someone who actually didn't really put their trust in God after all. And so that's the third way that we box God in, is we think, oh, I'll do whatever I want because God will forgive me anyway. The fourth way that we box God in, we box God in when we are quick to give up on people and situations. When we are quick to give up on people and situations. When we are quick to give up on people and we're slow to reach out to them. When we're quick to look at a difficult situation and just complain, it's hopeless, we blame others, we blame God, and we're just kind of quick to give up. Or we're quick to give up on people, we just kind of write them off and go to hell with them. We'll say, you know what, like I'm not going to reach out to them, I'm just going to focus on me, I'm going to focus on my family, I'm going to focus on my tiny bubble that I live in, and I'm not going to focus on anybody else, I'm going to reach out to anybody else. That is boxing God in. Isaiah chapter 61 says this. This is actually something that Jesus would use later on to describe his mission on earth. Isaiah 61 verse one says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to, comfort, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of spirit of despair. See, this is God describing his heart. What is his heart? His heart is to find those who are poor, find those who are brokenhearted, find those who are held captive, find those who are prisoners, find those who grieve, those who mourn, those who are in despair and give them hope once again. 
That is the heart of God. That's his mission in this world. And it just goes to show that no matter who you are or where you come from, you have a place in God's kingdom if you would open up your heart to him. And see, it says in verse three, it says, they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Who's they? Who's they? Everyone say they. Who's they? They are the ones that God, that Jesus, the savior, the servant has just helped from despair. That's just set free. These are the captives. These are the ex-captives. These are the people who are mourning, but are comforted. These are the people that God rescued. He says, they will be called oaks of righteousness. They will be a planting for the splendor of God's glory. Verse four says, they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been long devastated for generations. What's the lesson here is that God didn't just save you to save you. God didn't save you just so you could be saved and happy. God saved you so you could be part of his mission too. God saved you so that you could be part of reaching others and joining God in his mission to bring hope to a lost world. Amen. And see, but if you refuse to participate in God's mission, if you say, you know what, I'm happy just to be saved in my sins, you know, I, but, I, but I'm, I, don't, I don't invite people to church. I don't share my faith. I don't, you know, I don't really care that much about people who don't know Jesus. When I see someone who I should reach out to, I'm just, you know, I'll just close the door instead. If that's you, guess what? You're boxing God in. You're keeping God from doing the work he wants to do in and through your life. You've missed the point. That's boxing God in. Lastly, the fifth way that we box God in. We box God in when we insist that God do things our way, not his way. We boss God and we insist that God do things our way, not, not his way. In, that, in other words, we treat God like a servant. We order God around and insist, you do this for me. You do that for me. And when he doesn't do that for me, I blame God. When he doesn't do that for me, I stop believing in God. When he doesn't do that for me, I stop trusting in God. And see, so you gotta remember this if that's you. Remember this, when God doesn't do things your way, that doesn't prove that there is no God. That just proves you're not God. That just proves you're not God. Turn your and say, I'm not God. You're not God and neither am I. And see, one of Isaiah's favorite names for God in the book of Isaiah, I'll tell you, it's, it's probably his second favorite name. The first favorite name uh, is another one that I'll tell you maybe one day, but it's Sovereign Lord, his second favorite name. What does Sovereign Lord mean? It means God can do whatever he wants to do. He is sovereign. But when we insist that God do things our way, we're boxing him in. And see, and this is the thing, never is this tendency more dangerous than when it comes to how we look at heaven, how we look at our eternity after we die. Is that, you know, once I was talking to one woman who, you know, she was, you know, she was battling an illness and I asked her, do you think you'll go to heaven after all this is done? And you know what she said? She said, no, I, I think I will. And I said, why? Well, it's because I've helped so many young people. I spent so much of my time helping other people, especially young people. And she was very sincere about it. See, what was she doing? See, she's insisting that God do things her way, not his way. She's insisting 
that because she thinks she's a good person, God should look at that and agree and let her into heaven. But see, here's the thing. God has already made made, made it clear what his way of salvation is. He's already made it clear. You and I, we can't save ourselves. We can't earn our way to God. No matter how good we think we are, we can never get there. If we go and we we provide, we we offer our resume to God, do you think God's going to be impressed? No. He'll be like, this is just, this is dirt compared to how holy I am. And see, here, here, here it is is that when we were separate from God because of our sins, couldn't do anything to reach him, God didn't leave us there. He sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins, to get rid of what stood in the way between us and him. He took the sacrifice. He paid the price. He paid our debt. He was the one who stood in our place so that we could be forgiven, so that we could have a way back to him, not because we reached for God, but because God reached for us. Oh, come on, give God a big hand, a big shout. That's the love of God in our lives. It's his unconditional love for you and for me and to show that Jesus meant what he said and you can trust it he rose again from the grave as well and see that's that's the good news of the gospels that though we couldn't reach God God reached for us through Jesus Christ but still some people you know what no I, I don't need that I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a good person and I'll get there on my own that is you boxing God in that is you insisting that God do things your way instead of his way and you'd be very disappointed at the end of life if you find out that actually God is sovereign and he has already provided a way. The question is, are you going to go his way? And see, here's a question today. We've just looked at five ways that we box God in. In what way are you boxing God in today? See, it's kind of ironic that God sets us free from our captivity. He sets us free from our box and so often we have this tendency to want to put him in a box. Isn't that funny? It's, it's kind of funny and not funny at the same time. It's that like God saves us, he sets us free, and then we want to put him and make him our captive. And, and that's, that's, the, that's where God is saying, you know what, can I come out now? Can I come out now? Because you can never win when you box God in. Maybe for a while now you've been you know, sensing God knocking on the door of inside the box, and he's like, can I come out? Can I, can I maybe move here, move into your life a little bit more? And see, since we can never win when we box God in, how do we stop boxing God in? How do we give more room to God to to do the work that he wants to do so we can be the people that he wants us to be and live the lives that he made for us to live? How do we do that? How do we give more room to God to work in our lives? Let me end today by telling you three ways that you can destroy the box. Are you guys ready to destroy the box? Can we destroy this box? Can I destroy this box? Can I? Can I? Can I? Okay, all right, it's done. done. You can't see it anymore. You You can't see it? Okay, all right. How do you do that practically in your life? How do you destroy the box? Get the box out so that God come out. God can come out. Number one, repent to the extent that you boxed God in. Repent to the extent that you boxed God in. Turn your name and say repent. Repent. I know it's kind of a scary word, but let's unpack it right now. See, Isaiah 59 verse 20 says this. It says the Redeemer will come to Zion to those in Jacob who repent of their sins, declares the Lord. Would you underline those words, who repent of their sins? See, repentance sounds like a scary word. Sounds like a big word that's, you know, sometimes we're like, what does that mean? Let me tell you a really simple definition of repentance. To repent simply means to admit where we've gone wrong and say, God, I want to do things your way now. That's repentance. It's to acknowledge, God, I know I've gone wrong. I've done wrong. I want to do things your way now. It's, it's not even you cleaning up your whole act yet. It's just you making the, the commitment to God. Say, God, I, I want to do things your way, not my way anymore. That's repentance. It's, it's, like, it's saying, I used to do things this way. I'm going to turn around now. That's repentance. It reminds me of a joke. There's this guy who invites Jesus into his house. 
And he says, Jesus, please come stay in my house. Stay in my guest room. And Jesus happily says, thank you very much. Jesus, he walks into this young man's house. He goes up the stairs. He goes into the guest room. And then all of a sudden, there's a knock on the door. He's like, oh, who could that be? He goes up to the door. He opens the door. And who is it? <gasps> it's the devil. It's the devil. <gasps> devil with horns and, you know, tail. Also. Yeah. And he's like, ah! And, and, and what does the devil do? He doesn't even say anything. He, he pounces on this young man. He starts beating him up. He starts doing MMA and, and jujitsu on him and beats him up, messes out his house, you know, ransacks the house, steals a bunch of stuff, and then he runs off. And then, and then this young man's like, oh, oh. Oh my goodness, what just happened? And you know, for the next couple days, he's cleaning up his stuff. He's, he's rehabbing, he's going to physio. He's like doing all this stuff. He's kind of putting his stuff back together, putting his house back in order. He's like, oh my goodness, that was, that was something. I don't know what happened. And all of a sudden, here's another knock on the door. He's like, oh, who could that be? He opens the door. Oh, who is it? It's the devil. It's the devil again. He's like, what's it? And and before he can even say anything, the devil pounces on him again. They're they're wrestling on the mat. But even now, even more, the Satan's like, oh, boom, boom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Woo! And and he's ransacking the house even more, destroys stuff, burns stuff up, and all that stuff. And, And he runs off. And this young man is like, oh, what is happening? And all of a sudden, he remembers, wait, 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 wait. Isn't, isn't Jesus in my house? Why doesn't Jesus do anything? I thought I'd invite him to my house. And so he goes, up to, he goes upstairs to Jesus' guest room, and he knocks on Jesus' door. Jesus opens the door, says, hi. Je- and, and the young man says, hey, Jesus, I thought my life would be so different after I let you in. But I've just been attacked twice, and you did nothing about it. What, how could that be? And Jesus replies, I can only go where you allow me to stay. I can only go where you allow me to stay. And all of a sudden, as the young man is kind of confused, he's walking down the stairs, all of a sudden he gets it. It's like a light bulb comes. He's like, oh, yeah, okay. So he goes outside. A couple of hours later, he comes back. And he goes back to Jesus' door, his, his room, knocks on the door, Jesus opens it. He says, Jesus... I have something for you. This is my title deed. I've signed it over to you. You are now the owner of the house, not me. Can I stay here and be a guest in your house? Jesus says, thank you very much. And now Jesus is the owner, not just of a little guest room, but the whole entire house. And then one day there's a knock on the door. Jesus. He opens the door. It's the devil. And the devil all of a sudden sees Jesus. He crouches and says, sorry, Lord, wrong address. And he walks away. See, why do I mention that story? It's because it's the power of repentance. It's that this idea that you may have given your heart to Jesus a long time ago, even recently, but you're like, you know, why do I still wrestle with these thoughts? Why do I still get beaten up by this stuff? Like, you know, why do I still struggle with stuff like pornography? Why do I still struggle with stuff like, you know, you know, like saying the wrong things, losing my temper? Why do I still struggle with gossip? Why do I struggle with all these things? It's because just maybe, maybe, just maybe you're letting God into one part of your life and you've boxed him in there. It's now time to identify those areas of your life where Jesus is not reigning and say, God, you take over that now too.
You take over this room called my finances. You take over this room called my love life. You take this room called my family. You take this room called my entertainment center. You, you take this room as well. And when you do that, when you start to give God more and more and more room, you experience the victory that only Jesus makes possible. If you believe that, give God a big hand, a big shout in this place right now. Amen. Don't just give him the guest room. Give him the house. Turn you and say, give him the house. Give him the house. See, offer your whole life to Jesus, and he'll do so much more than you could ever do on your own. Here's a question for you today. What is one area of your life where maybe you need to repent? It's not that mystical. It's simply saying, God, I recognize that in this area of my life, I, I've done it my way. I want to do it your way now. I want to identify those unhealthy mindsets, those mindsets that come from just watching too much Facebook or just watching, reading too many like, magazines that have nothing to do with you. And, and I, I want to change my way to thinking of things your way. I want to let the word of God transform me from the inside out, letting the, 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 my mind be renewed by the way you think so that I can be made new. Amen? That's called repentance. You need to repent, and so do I. Number two, if you want to give God more room and not box him in, number two, see more of your daily life as an opportunity to worship God and to grow more like him. See, worship is not just a song I sing. It's not just the offering I bring. It's not just the serving I do on a Sunday. Worship is how I speak to my coworkers on Monday. Worship is how I treat that person in my home that I sometimes have a real difficult time with. You know, worship is how I respond when someone cuts me off in traffic. Worship is how I treat that customer, how I treat that client, how I treat that server at the restaurant who's still in training. You know, how I choose to deal with that tough decision that I have to make. How I choose to deal with that tough challenge that's in front of me. That is worship. And see, 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. See, practically speaking, how do you do this? Well, how do you do everything for the, word, for the glory of God? It's, it's, it's one of those things where for the rest of our lives, we'll be learning how to do that. For the rest of our lives. We'll never get it perfect, but for the rest of our lives as a response to who God is. Because it's God's best for us. We're going to try to do that. And here's how you can try to do that. Let me give you a tip. See every good thing in life as a chance to thank God. And see every tough thing in life as a chance to grow more like him. See every good thing in life as a chance to thank God. See every tough thing you go through in life as a chance to grow more like him. You know, I was at the gym the other day. And I wanted to use these weights, um, these kind of these 80-pound weights. And uh, I'm going to tell you what exercise that I was doing so that you don't think I'm too strong or too weak. But there were these 80-pound exercises or 80-pound weights that I wanted to use that I always used. But then someone else was using them. And he was using them for a really long time. And so I couldn't wait much longer. So all I could do was get the 85-pound weights. And I started to do the same exercise with those. I'm like, oh, my goodness, I can actually do this. Oh my goodness, why didn't I do this earlier? I should have been using 85-pound weights a long time ago. And just goes to show, you know, when things don't go your way, see it as a chance to grow. See it as a chance to grow. Ask yourself in any given situation, God, how can I glorify you in this situation? In the middle of that argument, God, how can I glorify you in this situation? You know, in the middle of the intense heat, see, God, how can I glorify you in that situation? Will we sometimes forget? Of course we will. We're human. You know, we're, we're depraved that way. But remember, we don't do this to earn God's love. We do it to respond to God's love. And when you will see more of your daily life as an opportunity to worship God and to grow more like him, four things happen. You can write this down. Number one, you grow. 
you grow in your character. You become more resilient. You become wiser. You become more patient, more courageous. You become more sensitive, more empathetic. You become bolder. You become more passionate. You become more loving of a person. You become more like Jesus. Another thing that happens when you let see your daily life more and more as a chance to worship God is you bless the people around you more. Your relationships at home are going to improve. Your relationships at work are going to improve. People are like, what got into this guy? Oh my goodness, he's so loving now. It's because you're learning to glorify God with your life. Number three, you give more, God, more room for God to work in your life in ways that you didn't before. And number four, life takes on a new and deeper meaning. Not, no, no longer are you just surviving. No longer are you just kind of getting through the day. But all of a sudden, every moment has significance. Every moment matters. All of a sudden, life takes on a significance that it didn't have before because it's not just about me. It's about giving glory to the one who rescued me. His name is Jesus. Amen. Amen. That's the second thing we can do to give God room and to get rid of the box. Lastly, trust that one day God will make all things new. Trust that one day God will make all things new. See, one of the big messages of Isaiah is that it doesn't depend all on you. Praise God. It doesn't depend all on you and me. Man, we'd be dead if it depended on all of us instead of on God. The fact is God is greater. He's greater than whatever it is that you're facing today. We, you know, would do well to rely on him to do what we couldn't do ourselves. You know, for those of us who sincerely want to live for God's glory, but we struggle with boxing him in sometimes, and if that's you, you can raise your hand right now. That's me too. If there's a message of hope from Isaiah that you can hang on to, it's this. One day, God is going to make everything new. One day, he's going to make everything new. He's going to say, one day, I'm going to do away with this world that's broken by sin, that's full of suffering. One day, I'm going to do away with it, and I'm going to create a new heaven, a new earth, and a new city called a new Jerusalem, where I'm going to live with my people forever. And it's not going to have the problems that it has here. Isaiah 65, verse 17 to 24 says this. It says, Behold, I'll create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I'll create. For I'll create Jerusalem to be a delight and its people a joy. I'll rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. The sound of weeping and of crying will be heard in it no more. Never again will there be an infant who lives but a few days or an old man who does not live out his years. He who dies at a hundred will be thought a mere youth. He who fails to reach a hundred will be considered a curse. In other words, there's no death in this new Jerusalem. That's what he's basically saying. Verse 21, they will build houses and dwell in them. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. No longer will they build houses and others live in them or plant and others eat. For as the days of a tree, so will be the days of my people. My chosen ones will long enjoy the works of their hands. They will not toil in vain or bear children doomed to misfortune. For they will be a people blessed by the Lord and they and their descendants with them. Before they call, I will answer. While they're still speaking, I will hear. Isn't that good? See, Isaiah is talking about the very end of time, is that God is going to create a new heaven and a new earth and a new city, a new Jerusalem where we can be with him, a place where there's no more crying, where there's no more sin, there's no more death, there's no more pain, there's no more COVID, praise God, there's no more depression, there's no more boxing him in. It's where God, we see him for who he is and we become who we were always meant to be. That's the hope that we have, the incredible, amazing 
unfathomable hope that we have as followers of Jesus. And see, those of us who trust in him that way and don't box him in, we'll have the opportunity to experience that. See, Revelation 21, 1 to 6. Uh, I've been telling you guys that Isaiah is like a mini Bible and that you have beginning to end of the Bible basically in Isaiah. And see, I just read to you one of the last chapters of Isaiah 65. And uh, let me just read final verse for today, Revelation 21. And just notice how similar the, the message is. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty, I'll give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. So maybe you've been going through a tough time these days. Maybe you lost someone you love. Uh, Maybe you lost uh, a baby. Maybe you lost uh, in your financial uh, situation. Maybe you made a bad decision and you've been living with a heap of regret and shame and guilt as a result. You got to know this. God is the God who makes all things new. God is the God who makes all things new. And so you can trust in him. God is the God who makes all things new. The Bible says his mercies are new every morning. Regardless of what you did or said last night, his mercies are new every morning. Weeping may remain for a night, but joy comes in the morning. So trust God to make all things new one day. When you trust in God, you can be assured that one day you'll see the sunrise again and it will be worth waiting for. You don't need to wait until the end of time to have a fresh start with God. You can have a fresh start with God starting today. And if that's you and you realize you need a fresh start with God, I want to ask you to respond to God by doing something really simple. We're going to pray a prayer. And if you realize today that you need God's forgiveness for ways that you've boxed him in, you need God's forgiveness for sin in your life, and you realize that you need a savior to save you from that, then I'm here to tell you Jesus is here and he loves you. And I'm going to lead you in a prayer that you can pray to ask Jesus to forgive us of our sins. And the Bible says when we pray a prayer like that, we mean it from our heart. Remember, it's the heart that counts, that it's a life-changing prayer because God forgives us of our sins. We become children of God, not just for now, but forever. And so if that's you, I want to invite you to to click that link in your chat room. You'll scan that QR code on your screen. I'm just going to invite you to pray this with me. You don't have to have gone to church all your life or for many, many years to pray this prayer. You maybe come from a completely different background, maybe never been to church before. You can also pray this prayer because this is an invitation. It's, this, it's the Isaiah 55 invitation to every single person on this planet to say there's freedom, there's forgiveness, there's a fresh start with God. And if you need that today, why don't you pray this prayer with me right now from your heart. You can say, Dear Jesus, Thank you that because you love me, you died on the cross to pay for my sins. You rose again to give me life. Today, I open up my heart and I ask you to forgive me of my sins and fill me with your Holy Spirit. I place my trust not in what I do, 
but in what you've done for me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer and you meant that from your heart, hey, guess what? The Bible says you are forgiven of your sins. You're a child of God. You have a home in heaven. God is your father, and the best is yet to come. And I encourage you, if you made that decision today, you can click at the bottom of that prayer page that you're seeing. Uh, Click that link, and we've got a gift we want to give you just to congratulate you on this awesome decision you've made, some resources to help you and encourage you in your new relationship with God. We encourage you to keep coming to church. Every baby needs a family. We'd love to be your spiritual family. Uh, Encourage you also to get baptized. It's a simple way to say, I believe in Jesus. I'm a sinner who needs a Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. So I encourage you to go to mythod.info for more information on baptism as well. I want to pray for and with another group here right now. And as you can see, I'm, I'm, I'm sweating a lot um, here. My shoes, both of them are untied. Uh, maybe from kicking the box, maybe from... It's, 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 I, I'm, I'm completely undone before you guys because it's because I want you to know, don't box God in. Don't box God in. Have you been boxing God in? Today, we learn five ways that we can box God in. And I'm going to read each one of them out once again. And if you can relate to any one of these, I want to just, just between you and God, I can't see what you're doing, but God sees, heaven sees. And if that's you, this is between you and God. This, don't worry about your neighbor. You might even want to go to another room right now to do this. I'm going to read out each one of these ways that we box God in. And if you can relate to any one of them, I just want to encourage you to raise your hand. You might even want to stand where you are. And before God, just you and him, I want to just encourage you just to respond to God because he loves you. He is holy, but he's also compassionate. He's just, but he's also merciful. He loves you with an unconditional love. And if you would respond to him through this prayer of repentance and coming back to him and trusting in him, then I believe we're on our way to a good direction in life. And so with that in mind, here are five ways that we box God in. For any one of these ways that you can relate to, why don't you lift up your hand to God today? You may even stand up today as a way to say, God, that's me, please forgive me. God, that's me, I want to change. God, that's me, help me to go in a new direction. Way number one, we box God in. We box God in when we confine God to a building. If you've been, you know, putting your faith on vacation for the past 16 months because you're not in a building, it's time to come before God and say, God, I'm sorry for boxing you in that way. Number two, we box God in when we confine God to one part of our lives and save the rest of it for ourselves. Whether it's, oh, one day, one day in the future, I'll think about God. Or, or you know what, I'm going to worship God on Sunday, but Monday to Saturday, I'll just do whatever I want. Number three, we box God in when we think, I'll do whatever I want because God will forgive me anyways. We treat God's grace as a license for just living a, just a, just a wicked life. If that's you, why don't you lift up your hand. Number four, we box God in when we're quick to give up on people or situations. You've been you know, quick to complain. You've been slow to persevere. You've been slow to reach out to people. People that you know God's placed in your life so that you could be reaching out to them and you haven't. If that's you, why don't you box, well, you've been boxing God in, lift up your hand to God and say, God, I need you today. Number five, we box God in when we insist that God do things our way, not his way. If that's you, why don't you lift your hand to God as well. And in your own words, I'm just going to invite you to talk to God because he loves you. After that, I'll lead you in a prayer. Why don't you start talking to God in your own words right now, knowing that he loves you so much. He loves you so much. He loves you so much. Even despite the ways we box him in, despite the ways that we are cruel to him by keeping him captive, even after he set us free, he still loves us. His love for you never fails. He's still here. He doesn't give up on you. He doesn't give up on me. So would you just lift your hands to God and start talking to God from your heart right now? In your own words, just start talking to God today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus, for your unconditional love. 
thank you, God. Have mercy on us today. Need you so much. Need you so much, God. More than we can say. More than we even know. More than we did last year. More than we did yesterday. We need you so much. We need you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Why don't you pray this prayer with me together right now. Say, God, I confess that there are certain areas of my life where I've boxed you in. Would you please forgive me? Please come in and take over those rooms in my heart, those areas of my life. Help me to see more of my daily life as a chance to worship you, as a chance to grow more like you. Thank you that one day you're going to make everything new again. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Would you give God a big hand, a big shout in this place together right now? We've had an amazing time in this series called Waiting for Sunrise. In fact, a little secret to tell you, we, we actually did this series called Waiting for Sunrise, knowing that we're kind of waiting for COVID-19 to be a thing, thing of the past. And praise God, over the past 12 weeks, you know, things have gotten better on the COVID side. Uh, but even if they don't, praise God that Jesus is our hope for today, for tomorrow, and forever. He is the sunrise we're waiting for. And um, with that in mind, we're going to go into a time where we're going to uh, sing a song, encourage you to do so. But I also want to encourage you to use this time. We're going to send you a link right now in your chat room where we would love to hear your feedback on our Waiting for Sunrise series. We've done 12 weeks in the book of Isaiah. It's been an amazing time together. And I want to encourage you, if you've been blessed by the series, encouraged by the series, challenged by the series, inspired by the series, enlightened by the series, stretched by the series, I want to encourage you to let us know. Because in so doing, not only does it encourage us and give us like, you know, more things that we can share with people and share about what God is doing here, but you'll find that it helps you process what you've been learning here during the series as well. So I encourage you to go to that link right now. You can also go to mythrive.info and, and click the Waiting for Sunrise feedback form link and just give your feedback feedback, give your encouragement, because uh, uh, it will mean a whole lot, not just for us, but for you as well. So I encourage you to do that. The band's going to sing, encourage you to give our worship to God right now. Let's make the most of this moment, and uh, praise God. Let's worship God with all of our heart right now. I can see the love in your 
yourself down, raising up the broken to life. You take our failure, you take our weakness, you set your treasure in jars of clay. So take this heart, Lord, I'll be your vessel, the world to see your life in me. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Whoa, I was, was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Oh, I can see you now. I can see the love. Raising up the broken to life Lord Jesus, we just want to thank you for all that you've done for us Thank you Jesus for dying on the cross for our sins Thank you for saving us Thank you for loving us Lord, we just want to give you all of our praises. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus. Amazing grace. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Oh, I was, was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Oh, I can see you now. I can see the love in your eyes Laying yourself down Raising up the broken to life Amazing grace How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me But now I'm found Was blind But now I see Oh, I can see you now I can see the love in you
Can we give God a big hand, a big shout? Let's play together right now. Oh, come on. There's more of you than that. Give God all of your praise in this place. You guys are a beautiful church inside and out. You're God's masterpiece. We love you guys. God loves you as well. Don't forget, if you call throughout your, you call throughout church, your home church, or you just believe in the work that God is doing here, let's give our faithful tithes, our generous offerings. Let's take good care of God's house, knowing that not only does uh, he use our offerings to build his local church, but he also uses it to bless people outside the four walls of our church. And so let's do that together today. Let's give faithfully. Let's give generously. Let's give cheerfully, knowing that because God is with us, and when we feed God from the first, he adds what he adds, everything we need. That's it for us here at Thrive Church Online, but the worship continues. Let's continue to worship God in all that we do. Praise God. Bless you guys. Love you guys. Praise God. The best is yet to come. We'll see you guys really soon next week for a brand new series, Rise Up and Wise Up. Have a great one, everybody. Love you guys. Take care, everyone. Thank you, Pastor JB. What a powerful message to end off our Waiting for Sunrise series. I've learned so much more about the book of Isaiah and I can't wait for what's next. Once again, if this is your first time visiting us, connect with us by texting new to 604-285-5770 or visit mythrive.info and you'll receive a Thrive stainless steel water bottle from us. It's a way for us to show that we appreciate you spending your time tuning in to Thrive Church Online. You may have prayed the prayer earlier to receive Jesus and we want to encourage you to take the next steps and share with us as we would love to help you take that next step. Text BELIEVE to 604-255-770 or visit MyThrive.info and click I want to receive Jesus today to get in touch with our team so we can help you with your next step in your relationship with God. We prepared a gift and great biblical content for you to enjoy while answering some of your questions about Christianity. For those who are wondering what the next step is after you receive Jesus, it's baptism. If you'd like to get baptized or find out more about baptism, head on over to MyThrive.info and click Baptism. We've been excited not just for you joining us on Sundays. Yes, we're glad that you're coming back next week for our brand new message series. But do things this week beyond Sundays to grow in your relationship with Jesus. We recognize that a whole life with Jesus is a whole life of growth. That's why I'm thrilled to announce Thrive Discipleship School TDS Level 3 is on July 14th to August 25th. TDS Level 3 is an opportunity for you to discover and embrace your God-given shape to serve God. And right now, you can register or find out more information by visiting mythrive.info. Hurry, space is limited. As we just finished the message series, Waiting for Sunrise, please take some time to reflect and let us know how God has used the series to impact your life by filling out the feedback form on mythrive.info. We would love to hear from you. And with that... We're wrapping up our Waiting for Sunrise series, and I'm so, so excited to announce and invite you and your friends and family back next week as we dive into our brand new message series called Rise Up and Wise Up. I can't wait to learn how to have hope and wisdom through the book of Proverbs with you all. Thank you to all of you who make all of this possible by giving generously into what Jesus is doing here through Thrive Church. 
It is noted that we have people joining us across the globe, but still gathering together right here in this one big community. So we're not just going wide, we're seeing people transform lives where the message of Jesus is changing lives and giving a new freedom and hope, and that's because of you. And if you want to join the mission of what God is doing through Thrive Church, you can head on over to MyThrive.info and click online giving. All right, everyone, that's it for this week. Enjoy the rest of this week, and I'll see you all next week right here at Thrive Church Online. Bye!